You're listening to the Grace Church Podcast, a weekly podcast dedicated to bringing you biblical guidance to life's most important issues. We want to thank you for joining us for this week's message. We pray you find strength and encouragement as we learn from God's truth together. For more information, go to visitgracechurch.com. Hey guys, I want to welcome you. Happy Easter Resurrection Weekend. I welcome those who are joining us at our North Overland Park campus or Olathe campus in the venue at South Overland Park or online. Like literally, there's millions and millions of people right now this weekend gathered around the world to celebrate the greatest three days in the history of the world. You see, 2,000 years ago, the God-man came into this world, jumped into the sea of humanity because we had no hope. So he came. He lived the perfect life we never could because he loves you. He went to the cross willingly, didn't have to go to the cross. He took your sins and your sadnesses and all those times you were down on him on the cross and got victory. He was dead for three days. None of his disciples believed he would rise again. Three days later, he rose. And then when he rose, he visited his apostles over and over, 10 times over 40 days, over and over and over, proving even if you do not believe the Bible is inspired, treated like any historical document, you'll come to the conclusion there was a man named Jesus who really was dead, who really rose again. This Easter, I I wish you could see yourself from God's perspective. There are people here, you need to see how much God loves you, loves, loves you, and knows everything about you. You need to see how he, he sacrificed everything for you. I mean everything. To try to reach you and bring you to God. I wish you could see your life, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or met, you're not yet a believer. I wish you could see your life as God sees it, as God hopes. Because when, when you really embrace the cross, people's opinions of you don't matter. Success, winning in this world, does not matter. The trials you go through are very small. Freedom. When you accept the resurrection of Christ and you get this idea that God himself is guiding you, he's guiding your education, he's guiding your career steps. When you make him the center and Lord of your life, he's guiding every relationship you have, every decision you make. It's incredible that the Lord is guiding your life. Every year at Easter, Churches prayerfully consider what part of the Easter story they're going to be covering. And this year, we're covering a man named Barabbas, who's one of the most little-known people and most important characters in Scripture. Uh, Barabbas has the unique privilege of being mentioned in all four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He's in rarefied air. Uh, Here's a chart, by the way, of stories that you can find in all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Jesus preaching, healing, feeding the 5,000, Holy Week. Barabbas is in all four gospel accounts. So what kinds of things are not in all four gospel accounts? Didn't make the cut, so to speak. That's the next chart here. Well, walking on water, not in all four gospels. Turning water to wine, Peter denying Jesus, the thief on the cross, Christmas! is not in all four Gospels. Barabbas is. I mean, didn't make the cut in the book of Mark. So why is this guy named Barabbas in all four Gospels and Christmas is not? It's a hugely important topic. So today's topic is this. I am 
Barabbas. That's our topic. So when you study the life of Barabbas, you'll come to that conclusion too. Barabbas is in all four Gospels because he is, he, he is you. That's, that sounds wrong. He is me. He's you. We are Barabbas. And guys, for many people, this is the most important moment of your life. I'm not overstating that God loved you before time began, loved you in the womb as you were growing, gave his son 2,000 years ago for you, has been orchestrating in your life to this moment where you would say, with Barab- I am Barabbas. You'd say with me, I am Barabbas, and you'd surrender your life to Jesus Christ. This is the moment that God's been leading to your whole life. There are people who have given your life to Christ, but you've not yet been baptized to show the world. Maybe your parents made that decision for you. That's a fantastic decision for you. That was not your decision. Matthew 28 says at some point you, when you're a disciple, you show the world by you're a believer in Jesus Christ by you being baptized. We'll give you that chance today also. Maybe this is the day that God is trying to turn your life around and back to him. I am Barabbas. And so are you. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would, you would guide us in this moment, that your Holy Spirit would have absolute free reign, no opposition, no other thoughts. We could be singularly focused on what your Holy Spirit is saying to us. And there's people at all different type, uh, types of places on their spiritual journey. There's <clears throat> full-on atheists who don't believe anything. We are so glad they are here exploring the claims of Christ. There's people who are getting closer and closer to surrendering to you. May today be the day they give their life to you. There are people who are believers in Jesus Christ, but they're trying to walk the fence. Live kind of half in, half out, and God, you're calling them to full surrender this weekend. I pray your Holy Spirit might move. Call people to salvation. Call people to even being baptized to follow you, to full surrender. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to be in the Mark account. There's four options, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We'll be in the Mark account. Yes, the guy that cut Christmas, which is fantastic. Uh, and so you can turn to Mark, Mark chapter 15, or if you have a phone, you can always do an internet search. You can do Mark 15 Bible. Uh, I'll set the context. We're going back to crucifixion morning. The night before was the start of the Jewish Passover. Jesus had celebrated the Jewish Passover with his apostles He celebrated Passover, then instituted what's called communion, or the Lord's Supper. Then, he went out to an olive grove to pray in the middle of the night. Why? He's battling whether he's going to die for us on the cross or not. Three straight hours. Then, he's arrested. And then he goes through a series of religious trials with the Jews. And the Jews hand him over in the morning. When sun up, they hand him over to the Romans for his secular trials. Why'd they do this? Because although the Romans allowed the Jews to declare somebody guilty of death, Roman law did not allow Jews to execute people. They had to bring their criminals and say, pretty please, would you execute this person who is worthy of death? We're going to see Pilate interviewing Jesus. A couple of questions Jesus is asked by Pilate. We'll start in Mark 15, verse 1. It says, immediately in the morning. The chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. That was the Jewish Supreme Court, 71 rabbis. And they they bound Jesus, led him away, and delivered him to Pilate. 
Then Pilate, who's the Roman governor, asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered and said to him, Well, it is as you say. He asked a second question, starting in verse 3. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. Then Pilate asked him again, saying, do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. But Jesus still answered nothing. So Pilate marveled. A couple things about these Roman, uh, these Roman interviews, these trials. Uh, Pilate had a series of accusations against Jesus, but the most important was king of the Jews. Why? He's the king of the Jews. And so he's asking him, are you a political threat to me? And Jesus makes it very clear. I am no political threat to you. My kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom spreads from soul to soul to soul. My kingdom spreads by human contact. When somebody who has God's kingdom shares the good news and they accept God's kingdom, I'm no threat to you. And so Pilate is starting to get to the point where he's going to kind of discipline Jesus and let him go. And the chief priests see this and they hate this. They want him dead dead. And they accuse him of many things. And it stuns Pilate that Jesus is not defending himself. Like if you heard a bunch of false accusations, wouldn't you defend yourself if your life was on the line? Yes. Here's the thing. Jesus was not on trial. I was on trial. You were on trial. He didn't need to defend himself. He wasn't there for him. He's there because he loves you. He loves me. Our sins, our judgment was at stake. So then we see Barabbas showing up in the story in verses 6 through 8. Now, at the feast, he was accustomed to releasing one prisoner to them, whomever they requested. And there was one named Barabbas. There's our character, all four Gospels. Who was chained, okay, he's sitting in a jail cell chained, with his fellow rebels. They had committed murder in the rebellion. And then the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him, Pilate, to do just as he had always done for them. Okay, there's our character, uh, Barabbas. We don't know many things about him. We know at least three things about him. First of all, we know his name is Barabbas. Uh, Barabbas is a compound word in Hebrew, bar Abba. Bar is the word for son in Hebrew. You go to a bar mitzvah, that's for the son. Bat mitzvah is for the daughter. So it's son of Abba. Abba's the name daddy. It's a very simple word for babies to say or little children to say. Abba, Abba, Abba. Yes, right. Are you calling your dad? Abba, Abba. We say daddy, dada, dada. It's also very easy. By the way, his name is son of father. Is that not the position of every person in this world? You're a son or a daughter of a father. His name is like a generic name. You're a child of a dad, the son of the father. We also know what kind of crimes he committed. He committed three crimes, two of which are listed here. One was rebellion. He tried to overthrow with treason the Roman government. Another was robbery. If you look in John 18 at some point, John 18 says he was a robber and murder. He committed murder in his treason. And by the way, those are three capital crimes in the Roman government. Three capital crimes, treason, robbery. Robbery can get you on the cross. The two thieves on the cross are being killed for robbery, murder. The other three crimes, arson, burning the place down, death. Libel, writing anything that's false, 
death, adultery, being sexually active with someone not your spouse, death. And so to put it in perspective, who, who was Barabbas to these Roman governors? Remember the 9-11 attacks? Uh, how could we not for, how could we, uh, forget the 9-11 attacks? I mean, this, this is a moment which has defined American history, fundamentally shifted our culture since 9-11. What were the crimes that were committed during 9-11? Well, rebellion, trying to overthrow the government, decapitate both the military, government, and business uh, icons. Robbery. So those 19 hijackers stole, they robbed. They stole four jumbo jets from United Airlines and American Airlines. Murder. They killed almost 3,000 people that day. Same three crimes. It'd be like this guy, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, being in jail. Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was the architect of the 9-11 attacks, guilty of treason, like Barabbas, robbery, murder. And so here's this guy in, in jail. He's going to die. He's in jail. And then Pilate brings up this discussion with the crowd. He says, hey, why don't I, I got a way to get rid of Jesus, let him out. This guy is going to die. He's trying to kill me. He's going to die. He robbed. He's going to die. So then Mark chapter 15 verse 9 is the first of three questions of the crowd. Pilate now is having a discussion with the mob that's outside. And they're asking for this annual release of prisoner. Mark 15 verse 9. But here's the first question. But Pilate answered them saying, do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Do you want Jesus? For he knew that the chief priests had handed him over because of envy. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he should rather release Barabbas to them. We want Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. We don't want Jesus. Pilate answered. Here's question number two, verse 12. His second question to the crowd. Pilate answered and said to them again, What then do you want me to do with him whom you call the king of the Jews? Like, what do I do with this guy? So they cried out again, crucify him, crucify him. His third question, verse 14. Then Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them. And he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. Okay, so what do we know about Barabbas? There's four things we know about Barabbas in his situation. That's the next slide. Barabbas was guilty. He was guilty. Absolutely. He committed three of the six capital crimes under Roman law. Rebellion. Robbery. Murder. He was absolutely, he's sitting in jail in, in chains, expecting the Roman soldiers to come down the hall, shake their keys, open the door, and when they enter in, lead him away. He's going to be killed that day. He's going to be killed. We also know that Jesus was innocent. Like, when you read all the accounts, not one accusation actually stuck. What was he guilty of? Being kind, healing people. 
preaching the God's king that's spiritual. And a week earlier, he'd walked in in the triumphal entry, and they're all cheering Jesus, thinking he's going to conquer the Romans. And a week later, they're all gone. Jesus died. We know that. How did he die? Well, he was scourged and crucified. Scourging is horrific. <clears throat> so you take a leather set of leather belts or thongs, and you put, put like a series of hooks or glass and bone, and you want it to stick. You wrap it around their body, whack, and it goes in their body. You take that, and you rip it out. Whack, shred. Land, shred. And he could have... He could have said one thing and gotten out of this. Pilate was going to let him go. Then he was crucified. That's where you take somebody and you typically, typically twist them. It's not like you see in the images. They twist them and they put their hands out like this on road level in a very populated road. People walking by at eye level can talk to you, can spit at you, can say things right to you. Why would they do that? Because the, this was a symbol that the Romans are in charge. And if you cross us, you're dead in a public way. Like for Roman citizens when they killed them, they would behead them in one fell swoop. Whack! Dead. Torture was the cross. It's torture. Jesus died. Barabbas, when he heard the, the keys come to the door, he heard that. He's thinking, this is it. I tried to throw over the government. I murdered people. I stole. I am dead. And they opened his shackles and said, Barabbas, you're free to go. So in Barabbas' story, we have, here's what's weird. For a guy mentioned all four Gospels, we have no idea what he did with Jesus. Did he realize Jesus took his place? Was he thankful Jesus took his place? Did he become a follower of Jesus? We have no idea. Guys, I am Barabbas. You are too. Here's my story. The next four things. It's not just Barabbas is guilty. Let me tell you a bit of my story. It's been a while since I told my journey. I was guilty. Jesus is innocent. Jesus died for me so I could be set free. So, my religious background. I was baptized Lutheran. I come from a spiritually blended family. My dad is not a believer in Jesus, but he was forced to go to church. My mom is a believer in Jesus. So I grew up with a belief in Jesus, an awareness I'm a Lutheran. I have no idea what Lutheran means, by the way. I think it has something to do with Martin Luther. Uh, that's about it. I went to church once in a while. It was never real for me. If you asked me if I was a Christian, though, I would say yes. Oh, of course. Are you a Christian? Of course I'm a Christian. Here's my definition of Christianity. I was baptized as a baby. My mom tells me that baby's me. I don't remember it. Little white robe, minister, that's me. And I'm Lutheran. I have no idea what Lutheran means. And I've been to church Christmas or Easter. Every other Christer. I've been during Christer. I do. I'm a Christer. Um, and I'm a good person. Like, I try my best. I try to, I'm not, and I can always find somebody worse than me. And you can too, can't you? There's always somebody worse than you. Kind of makes you feel better about yourself. Then, I was 19 years old in Blue Springs, between my freshman and sophomore year, people start coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior based out of a barbecue restaurant in Blue Springs called Zardas. A couple managers are just sharing the gospel with people right and left. And so I didn't work at Zardas, but I was dating somebody who was a sister of somebody who was working at Zardas. I started going to church. I went to church because I wanted to chase my hot girlfriend into church. That's why I went. 
I was not spiritual. But I realized I was guilty. See, I knew things about myself that I was ashamed about at that age. I would never want published. And frankly, you know stuff about yourself that you're, you're, ugh, man, I hope nobody ever finds that out. James 2 verse 10 says this, or James 2 verse 10. That's the next slide here. For whoever shall keep the whole law, yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. This verse rocked my world. I was 19 years old. To be, like I said, well, I'm not as bad. I mean, I'm not that person. I have a, I'm not a mass murderer. I'm not that guy. I could find people that messed me over my past, and I'm better than them. But God says, if you offend in one point, you're guilty of defying God, rebellion against God, guilty of all. See, we look at our own sins, and we think it's not a big of a deal. Or we look at what people have done to us, and we are outraged they've done that to us. Think of the person who hurts you the most in your life. You, they hurt you the most. You know that feeling of outrage and pain? Yeah, that's how God feels when you lie, and I lie. When you deceive, when you're selfish, when you do not forgive, when you are not charitable, when you are not generous, it's an affront to Almighty God. And I thought, well, I believe in God. Doesn't that count for something? I believe in God. James 2.19 says this. James 2.19, you believe there is one God. That's me. Great. You do well. Demons believe. Oh, that's awesome. Well, demons believe. So belief in God or belief in Jesus is not enough. I learned that Jesus was tempted in every way like I was, yet without sin. He's totally innocent. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says this. Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Was Jesus tempted to be selfish? Yes. Was he tempted to lie? Absolutely. How about steal? You betcha. How about hate? Absolutely. Gossip? Tempted. Lust, tempted. Greed, tempted. Lack of faith, fear, tempted. Tempted, tempted, tempted. Not once did he sin. It's so important he was tempted in all these ways. He was living the life that you and I could not live. And he did this because he loves you. He loves you. That's Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans 5, 8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love toward you, toward me, toward us. And that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. That person I said, who hurt you the most in your life? Caused the most pain in your life. Can you imagine them not feeling bad about it, not turning, not apologizing, and you have a chance to die for them? Would you die for them? They are not sorry. They are not fixing anything. They are not apologizing. For you to die for somebody like that would take shocking love. That's Jesus. While we were still sinners... Because he loves you. I wish you could see yourself through the loving eyes of God. Who knows everything about you. And loves you completely and infinitely. There's a guy years ago named Joe Delaney. He was the Patrick Mahomes of the 80s. He was. Joe Delaney was running back. There was hope in this city. The running back was running roughshod over the NFL. We're not going to be losers. We got Joe Delaney. After his second year, which is also Patrick Mahomes, after his second year, he's at home, 
in the south, there's a pond, three kids are drowning. Joe Delaney jumps in the pond, try to save their life. Joe Delaney can't swim. One kid got out, two others drowned, Joe Delaney drowned. Why? Love. That's the kind of love that made God jump into the sea of this world for you, whether you accept him or whether you don't. However you take that, God loves you. He loves you. 1 Peter 3.18, here's why he came. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Jesus came to bring you to God, to bring you from where you're at right now, wherever you're at. I'm not sure where you're at with God, but Jesus came to bring you closer, near, walking with the Lord. Being put to death in the flesh, that's the cross. Made alive by the Spirit, there's the resurrection. I wish you could see life on the other side where Jesus is the center and most important thing in your life. There are people who are half in and half out. You're half in. You're half out. You're walking the fence. At some point you'll fall. That'll hurt. It will. You see other people like, why do you have such peace and joy? Because God's everything. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I, I walk with him every single day. I wish you could see life where he is leading your life. For many people, this is the most important moment of your life right now. This is it. See, in your soul, the Holy Spirit may well be saying, it's time. It's time to make sure. Maybe you were a Christian, maybe you weren't a Christian, but it's time to make sure. Maybe the Holy Spirit, you sense that, it's that sense, oh, I've never done this. And you're afraid. I get it. I was afraid. Why did I delay for about a month or so? I was afraid of surrender. What was God going to do to me if I really gave control of my life to him? I have never regretted it. There's increasing levels of surrender God is calling you to. There are people here, you're just like me. See, I was baptized as a baby. My parents' decision, fantastic decision, not my decision. Matthew 28 says it has to be your decision at some point. And your parents' hopes when they baptized you was that you would embrace it for yourself, which is Matthew 28, being spontaneously baptized. Every baptism Jesus said was spontaneous. Guys, I am Barabbas. I've been set free. You're Barabbas. I'm going to invite our hosts to continue this conversation. This is the moment. Is God not calling you to receive Christ right now? Surrender. I beg you. I beg you, give your life to Jesus Christ or be baptized right now or go all in with him. I beg you. 